Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey guys, ready or not, 2024 is here, and we here at Breaking Points are already thinking of ways we can up our game for this critical election. We rely on our premium subs to expand coverage, upgrade the studio, add staff, give you guys the best independent coverage that is possible. If you like what we're all about, it means the absolute world to have your support. What are you waiting for? Become a premium subscriber today at breakingpoints.com. CNN is flailing. They got to figure it out. Their lowest ratings ever in modern history. So what do they do? First, they have Bill Maher reruns, I guess, uh, for overtime that they're going to play. Already, by the way, a Bill Maher already broke the rules by cursing, and he was like, sorry, CNN. Well, now they've got a new idea. Let's put this up there on the screen. Uh, they are looking to hire Charles Barkley to come on CNN. And as much as I want to make fun of it, I got to say, it's not a terrible idea. Charles is a compelling guy. Uh, he is fun to watch. The only question is, what does he belong? Why would he belong on a news program for any reason whatsoever? Like, are they just going full, you know, I guess with the comedian thing, even with Bill? I mean, Bill has been involved in public, you know, public affairs and events, political stuff for basically his entire life. I mean, Charles is a sports commentator, a very, you know, former very successful professional athlete, pop culture figure in his own right. But does he really have something that he wants to say five nights a week um, on CNN? Frankly, it would also be a demotion for him because far more people probably watch his NBA broadcast yeah. than ever watch CNN. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Charles Barkley is hilarious. If they did actually secure a primetime news show right. with Charles Barkley, <laughs> I would probably watch it. Yes. Um, I actually don't think it's a terrible idea in terms of audience interest. Um, do I think there is any chance in hell that he would do this? No way. He may, he might though. He's he's good no on the camera. Way. He's good. I mean, yeah. he already look, he already has a great gig where he makes millions. That's true. Um, apparently they tried to lure him to be a commentator for Live Golf. Mm. And he was like, no. No. Oh, so I yeah, mean I forgot that Charles loves golf. That's he's true. got he's got a sweet gig. Right. Where he's at, um, so I, I don't see this. I don't see this one happening. But uh, you know, uh, this is one of the better ideas they put out there, just in terms of sheer like entertainment. 
human mm-hmm. value. Not that I think that he'd have like, I think he'd have good sort of like every man takes on politics, which is kind of what he's, to the extent he's waded into politics in the past, that's kind of the vibe he's given off. Well, that's what you, you reminded me of this clip that we covered, which a lot of people were really interested in at the time. Charles sounding off on politics. Let's take a listen. I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people, but we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We're all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. Well said. Been true. What can there. I say? Uh, you know, I mean, I should take this back. He has been political at some point. I remember. I think he said he wanted to run for the governor of Alabama, and he had like he had to establish really? residency. Oh, really? Um, I believe he identifies as a Republican. I don't know if this identifies. At the time, <laughs> uh, he was he called himself a Republican, and I know he had some political aspirations at the time. This was talked about you know years and years ago. He hasn't talked about it in a long time, but hey, maybe he should. Yeah, here maybe we go. Good at it. Charles Barkley on running for Alabama governor. He says he no longer has any yeah. interest, but okay. that implies that he did at one point. Yeah, see. He's yeah. <laughs> Democrats and Republicans are both full of crap. Um, so I think that's a sentiment that uh, would capture the hearts and minds of the majority of American people at this point. Um, he says they do nothing for actual people. The Democrats and Republicans are both full of crap. You see now with this pandemic, they aren't doing anything for these people. So anyway, uh, he says, I've been a Democrat all my life. I just realize now they've done an awful job taking care of poor people. They make the same boasts every four years, come to the black community and say they're going to make things better, but they don't really make mm-hmm. things better. I'm still a Democrat, but I don't fall for stupidity. So yep. anyway, it would right. be interesting. It'd be fun to watch if it happens, So we'll see. Guys, another horrifying nearly catastrophic uh, airplane disaster that is just now coming to light. Go ahead and put this up on the screen. This is terrifying. Uh, The headline here from the Daily Mail is every passenger's worst nightmare. United Airlines flight from Hawaii to San Francisco nosedived 1,400 feet during epic storm, came within 775 feet of the Pacific in terrifying 45-second ordeal. Insanely, this had not come out because this happened a little while ago. It actually, I think, happened on the same day that Sagar there had been that uh, other flight where there was massive turbulence and a number of passengers were injured Mm -hmm. um, fairly seriously. And so the thinking here is this had to do also with the stormy conditions that were prevailing that day. The other thing that's crazy is after it landed in San Francisco, they like inspected the plane and then it flew again with, I think, the same crew and whatever. So that's kind of crazy as well. It's also wild that um, we're only now learning about it. Nobody tweeted about it or had a video of it or whatever. But the details here, are 
terrifying. Um, they say that the gravitational forces, like the G-forces that they were f- facing, were um, extremely severe. They say it was in between radio calls with air traffic controllers in Mali. Throughout the 45-second dive, the climb produced forces of nearly 2.7 times the force of gravity on the aircraft and its occupants. Um, that's used to describe the acceleration of an object relative to Earth's gravity. An upwards acceleration of about 5 Gs is enough to overwhelm the ability of your heart to pump blood to your brain, causes oxygen starvation, you'll black out within a few seconds, but a downward or negative G-force of the type that you would get in like this nose drive is even worse. The blood pools in your head, your face swells up, your lower eyelids are forced over your eyes. This is called redoubt because all you see is the light shining through your eyelids. At negative 3G, the blood can't get back to your lungs to re-oxygenate, so you pass out. So this is a crazy situation. They came within 700 feet of uh, smashing into, crashing into the ocean, um, which obviously would have been prob- killed everybody on oh, board. Yeah, and um, it also comes on the heels of we've had a number of these near misses or actual catastrophes uh, in the past number of days and weeks. You have planes that are almost running into other planes on takeoff. You had a, a plane actually hit a passenger bus that was there on the tarmac. So I don't know what's going on, Sagar. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, it's pretty scary. You know, the tw- they were only at 2,200 2, feet before they do- dove. And they say that it was at 8,600 feet per minute, which is terrifying. And yeah, I mean, the aviation industry, actually what concerns me is that the flight then lands in San Francisco and then it takes off two hours later. And United said that they had closely coordinated with the FAA and inspected the plane, you know, right before takeoff. I don't know, man. I, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I would want to go on a plane if you had known that that had just happened. No. And Mm-mm. look, uh, the other actually even scarier thing is that there was nothing wrong with the plane and it was pilot error, which is even more terrifying, right? Uh, which, you know, I, I've read a... I have a weird fascination with plane crashes. Uh, I studied a lot on that Air France crash that people will remember that. That one was nuts because it was also in bad weather and it was pure pilot error where they crashed right into the ocean. I think it was like a Brazil to uh, Paris flight, 100% pilot error. And it's one that people study a lot in terms of getting dragged away from your sensors or fixating too much on on some things. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, from reading on this, the fact is, is that if the plane did take off and it was cleared from a safety inspection, then that's even scarier because that means means that there was a human uh, situation involved. And I just want to know what is going on with those pilots right now today. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you had the, you have this, which right. 700 feet from the ocean is not a lot of feet, guys. Right. I mean, this was a close, close call. You had the near miss at JFK of two planes almost colliding. You had a near miss at Austin, actually the very day that we were flying out yeah, of Austin yeah, that morning, right. Literally unbeknownst that morning. to us. I flew off and I, I took off an hour later. Yeah, there yeah. was a, near miss um go ahead and throw up this uh this graphic you can see this yep. is what the flight trajectory of this one with the nosedive looked like where they came within 800 feet so steep steep descent rate and then uh, a steep after that climb rate and coming within 775 feet of the ocean. They talked to an aviation expert, a pilot by the name of Juan Brown. He said these sorts of incidents are increasing at an alarming rate. 
He talks about there's a huge turnover in the industry, not only among pilots, but also amongst air traffic controllers, mechanics, mainters, I don't know what Mm. that is, rampers. And with the state of hiring practices and training today and the relentless effort to do things faster, cheaper, and more efficiently, we're just one radio call away from having the biggest aviation disaster in history. Um, And apparently both the JFK and the Austin incidents, experts have said directions that were issued by air traffic controllers appear to have been an issue. So you've got pilot issues, here, you've got air traffic control issues, and you have the overlying element of like, you know, corporate greed probably pushing people too hard and massive industry turnover. So uh, scary, scary, scary situation. Yeah, certainly is. Some major news out of Twitter. Not actually major, just more amusing. Let's put this up there on the screen. Apparently, Elon Musk has designed a special system, uh, according to Twitter insiders, that will actually boost his tweets first after Joe Biden's Super Bowl post got more engagement than his. This comes after some reported discontent by Elon from inside the company who was worrying about why his impressions had gone down. After an engineer actually told him that it was because organic interest in Elon's tweets went down, he uh, fired one of the engineers who told him that and has created now a special system. So, I mean, I don't know, Crystal, I guess we could all sympathize with if you're going to own a platform, you might as well boost your own message, right? If I owned you too, if I owned you that too, algorithm I would, would be sweet to us. I would definitely boost breaking points and all of our friends over here. I guess I have uh, some sympathy with that, but I think it just does show you, you know, some of the more capriciousness that continues because, I mean, even the whole way that this went down, at 2.36 on Monday morning, James Musk sent an urgent message to Twitter engineers. We are debugging an issue with engagement across the platform. This is the cousin of Elon. Mm. He says, any people who can make dashboards and write software, please help solve this problem. It's high urgency. Bleary-eyed engineers, we log onto their laptops. The emergency becomes clear. Elon's tweet about Super Bowl got less engagement than Biden's. So in the wake of these losses, the CFO um, actually got people who are inside of the company uh, to boost and change the Twitter algorithm to boost boost more of his tweets and include them on the For You page uh, yeah. for everyone. So I, I personally just find it very amusing. It is. I mean, the yeah. whole thing is amusing. I, the first piece that broke was like that how upset he was that his right. tweets weren't getting as much engagement. And he thought like, oh, there must be a problem buried deep in the algorithm that's like suppressing my tweets. Yeah. And when an engineer broke it to him that just look, you're just not as hot as you used mm-hmm. to be, which is normal in that. Like, there was a whole... Yeah, there's an ebb and flow. Whole news right. cycle, Elon news cycle, where people were hanging on his every word and all kinds of news stories were being written about every little thing that he uttered on Twitter. Like, okay, that moment has passed. That is a natural ebb and flow. But, I mean, outrageously, he fires the engineer who told him the truth, which is no way ready to run any place. Then you just end up surrounded by a bunch of yes-men who are going to mm-hmm. tell you whatever you want to hear. That's number one. But number two, I mean, it is kind of hilarious that he then made it a top priority for them to rig the algorithms to promote his stuff. At two in the morning. Yes. Yeah, that is also a crisis for me. Listen, if you weren't presenting your leadership of Twitter as like some free speech, you know, beacon of free speech and free speech safe heart, because using the algorithm to rig the results and promote certain people over other people. It's consistent with what he said about freedom of speech, not freedom of reach, but it is equally as gamed and manipulated as active like censorship and active banning and blocking. In some ways, it's more nefarious because it's harder. 
there's no transparency around it. Like you can tell if you've been kicked off the platform and you can say something about it and you can try to call awareness to it, but there's no way to know who's being pumped and who's being suppressed. And everybody ends up just with their own little like conspiracy theories about what exactly is going mm -hmm. on with the algorithm. So the best way to handle this would be to have it go back to being a neutral platform where it's just like, here's your timeline and the tweets come up in order. Um, or at the very least, which I think is something, didn't he Sagar promise that there would be transparency around the way the algorithm yeah, operated? At the very least, have it really clear and public how these things are ultimately operating, but those are not promises that he has followed yeah. followed through on to date. I, I certainly I hope say. so. All right. All right, more for y'all later. So we got an interesting little uh, lesson, I would say, in the art and impact of actual governance. Let's just go ahead and put this up on the screen. So Bernie Sanders uh, threatened to have the CEO of Moderna forced to come and testify. Um, Bernie is now chair of the Health uh, Labor Pension Education Labor Pension Committee. And so as part of his chairmanship, he has been calling a number of corporate CEOs on the carpet and calling them to come testify. Well, lo and behold, just after he does this, Moderna is now saying, oh, we're going to keep our COVID vaccine free after all. Previously, they said they were going to jack up the price by 400%. Let's go ahead and put this up on the screen, what they were saying. Previously, Moderna may raise COVID-19 vaccine prices up to $130. That is a roughly 400% increase. Bernie Sanders calls it outrageous. And Sagar, this is something we've been talking about for a yeah. while. One of the greatest powers of, you know, the Senate chairmanships of the president of the United States is the power of a good public shaming. Mm -hmm. You know, when these corporations, as they continue to do, jack up prices and contribute to inflation and give themselves and their shareholders these big bonuses and, you know, pay them out and screw over their workers. One thing that you can do outside of regulation is force them, subpoena them and force them to come and face questions. They don't want to do that. And so oftentimes just the threat of any sort of like public accountability and shaming can force some sort of action on them. We saw this when Joe Biden very briefly, remember when he went after the, the meat packers for oh, jacking oh yeah, up prices? Absolutely. He like get, made comments about it, issued a White House statement about it. And lo and behold, right after that, meat prices went down a bit. Um, just this power to call CEOs on the corporate on the carpet and force them to uh, answer for their crimes and their outrageous behavior sometimes can be as powerful as anything else. Yeah, the thing I've never understood on this is like, who is still taking the COVID vaccine? Like, who do you even charge for it? Is it the government? Like, in terms of keeping it free, is it like future boosters? Because they're already free, as I understand it. That was one part where I'm not entirely uh, clear on like why this is even a skin. Well, like, I think I, who the, even wants it at this point if you're not going to take it, you're clearly not going to take it. Like, yeah. Well, I think the customer? government uh, funding for this, for it to continue to be free, Got is it. about to run out. And so they were going to be charging I either see. health insurers or individuals uh -huh. this like outrageously jacked up price. So, okay. yeah. So it's a perfect example, though. I mean, it's just insane greed from these companies who have already made so much money off of these vaccines, oh, yeah. guaranteed and backstopped by the U.S. government, off of research that we developed, off of a process under Operation Warp Speed, which was a great success under President Trump. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way they moved heaven and earth to get these things um, developed and out to the public. But, you know, a lot of government resources went into this, and they just want to continue to try to milk this thing for everything it's worth. Yeah, I mean, I, really what needs to be done is that they shouldn't even have patent or any of this stuff on it. And a lot of it should be uh, much more open to public Absolutely. scrutiny, research, and all of that. That's the biggest problem I yes. think I have. 
I have with this. But Absolutely. okay, yeah, all right, we'll keep it free for everybody who wants it. I, I don't really know who's still taking it, but go for it. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, Bernie has also, yeah. uh, I know he wants uh, Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz to testify because Starbucks has been engaged in this just like utterly lawless behavior mm -hmm. with regards to union busting with the um, grassroots union drive that has swept across the country at Starbucks stores. And, um, you know, those sorts of things, they, they can be very, they can be a very powerful tool. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to see some of these people have to answer for what they've been up to. Definitely. All right, y'all, more for you guys later. The New York Times this week dug into a universal basic income program playing out outside of Chicago in which they're giving $500 a month uh, to residents to test what that does for economic security, for satisfaction, for quality of life, etc. cetera. Uh, shockingly, they're finding uh, people like it. Uh, Emily, uh, what, what, what is your general take on, uh, on, on UBI and how, is, is there a faction of the right that is like, you know what, maybe there, I mean, maybe there is a, a place for this. It has its origins, as, as I'm sure you know, kind of uh, in, a, in the kind of Alan Greenspan world. Uh, so it, or Milton, Fried, Milton Friedman, um, you know, as the, there was this kind of libertarian right that believed if you give everybody a very basic level of income, that 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 would allow a lot more human flourishing. But where is that now when it when it comes to the right? Yeah, it, you know, a great example or a great illustration of the arc is when Senator Romney introduced that child allowance bill that was basically cash payments to the extent that, I mean, there were very, very generous cash payments to parents um, from the womb all the way up to 18 years of age, depending on your number of children. Um, and that immediately got sort of yanked. It was criticized by Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, and others because it didn't have a work requirement. So Mitt Romney reintroduced something that had a $10,000 annual work requirement. Um, and so I think the right, even the new right, um, you know, as illustrated by the, the arc of the Romney bill, is, is very wary of anything that doesn't include a work requirement um, or that doesn't sort of, and I know there are ways to do UBI um, that might get around that job training and, and other things like that. But um, I'm really curious about these experiments because they're happening all over the country. I think there's one happening in, in Arlington or Alexandria right outside of DC. Um, there are cities, municipalities that are experimenting with this. And I am genuinely curious about the results, although I also think they suffer from a problem um, that over the COVID period, when there was a very generous cash allowance uh, for parents as well, that we talked about a couple of times, Ryan, um, that found it basically immediately alleviated child poverty. It had a huge effect on quality of life, like right out of the gate. Um, I get worried about sort of not being able to measure possible long-term ramifications of that in the way that um, you and I would probably disagree over some great society programs that sort of did well and then, or seemed like they were doing well. And then over time, we've had maybe a different perspective on them. So the, that's one of, these are some of the limitations I see when looking at these experiments. Um, but I mean, I'm completely open-minded to the results. And I, I started out saying outside of Chicago for some stupid reason. It's it's in Chicago. I don't know don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> wanted to, wanted to read one uh, one quote quote from this guy Christopher Ellington uh, from the, the New York Times story. He said, "Talk about shock." It, and this goes to one of the things you were saying. It was like he said, "It was hey, the government is doing this. Wait a minute. I don't have to you know report this and report that. You don't have to go through all of my business, and I don't have to watch what I say." I was like. 
this is how it should be. And so it, it does mm-hmm. go back to this thing where people, it, people are now uh, just attuned or accustomed to the fact that if they're going to get anything from the government, which our government, the thing that we all kick into and, and which, is, which is ours democratically, that they expect they're going to be harassed and humiliated and controlled. Uh, if they're going to try to control what you can say, uh, you're going to have to piss in a cup. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to go go through uh, all, all through all, all kinds of hoops. You know, open up your bank account to them. Uh, and you, you mentioned Strings job attached. training, but so often the job training stuff just becomes like this ridiculous kind of pencil pushing exercise where you have to show up at this place and there's somebody who doesn't want to be there, you know, telling you how to use Google and and everybody's just Useless doing it. Useless skills. Yeah, every, yeah, everybody's just doing it because. They've been told that they have to do it because uh, politicians believe that it's better if they, you know, attach this this work requirement to it. Um, but you know, if but anyway, so uh, I, I also worry uh, po- to go back to what you were saying post pandemic about the fate of of UBI, not not just for the reasons that you mentioned, but but because of the linkage in the public's mind and in politicians' minds between the money and inflation. Now, I think, mm-hmm. and I think the economic data is bearing out, that the that something like half of it, 50, it almost looks like 50, 60 percent, was, was, corpor- was kind of structured corporate greed. In other words, like they saw that there was an opportunity uh, for them to start raising prices and not get not get blowback either from politicians or from consumers, and they went for those price increases, and they've been able to measure that. It's like a huge portion of it uh, was that, but and that that was related to the supply chain problems, and also related to the distortion in spending. So yes, it's true that people had more money because of the child tax credit, because of the kind of stimulus checks uh, that were given out, but because people weren't going out, because people were locked in their homes. Uh, they were right. spending their money on Amazon and on, on other goods on other goods rather than on services. And so the amount of goods that uh, purchased clogged up the supply chains. Uh, and so then you did have inflation as a result of that. So I worry that 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 UBI has been set back you know badly as a result of that because the next t- next time people come forward and say, well, look what happened last time we had we had inflation as a result of it. Are you seeing on, on the right uh, people who try to advance kind of the, these types of kind of family credits or child child tax credits are are they confronting uh, that that obstacle in a way that they weren't before that's a really good question and I think it gets to what you were talking about originally how strange it is that a very libertarian proposal truly a very libertarian proposal came to be kind of owned right now by either the corporate ascender center or the like very progressive left because one of the things that would happen if UBI were to be implemented and I don't like our system right now of just sort of band-aids um, put on to patch up holes in our, our safety net. Um, I hate that. I think it's inhumane and I don't think it's been helpful, but those band-aids go away with UBI um, and you end up with a system where there are programs people are maybe dependent on um, and a lot of that goes away. And so this question of inflation and overheating the economy, et cetera, et cetera, is an interesting one because then you do get really big discretionary spending cuts. Um, And you might even get this as an excuse to slash entitlements 
Uh, you would cer you'd certainly get this as an excuse for very serious proposals to slash entitlements if there were a federal UBI program. State basis is different, although on a state level, those entitlements would certainly be in danger too. And so kind of using these as a laboratory for what would happen economically, all of the hypotheticals, if, if a UBI were to be implemented on a large scale, it is really difficult. But uh, I think some of those to alleviate the economic concerns that you were just talking about, a lot of those safety nets would just be snipped um, right away, I think. And I also think with just how much power employers have in this country, uh, that with a labor shortage, there's just no way uh, they're going anywhere near this. And right. I, think in, I think in Texas, mm. correct me if I'm wrong, I heard that they're either, they either passed legislation or they're moving to pass legislation, the Texas Republicans are, to say that no, no municipalities can try UBI. Like that's like that's mm. how that's how hostile they are to it. That they don't even they don't even want towns like Chicago, you know, experimenting with it uh, because they've got this, you know, they've got bosses who are saying, look, we've got this labor shortage, and what the labor shortage is driving up wages, uh, they, you know, what they call wage inflation, what other people call a raise, and they and they don't want to uh, in, encourage any, any more kind of worker militancy because that the other thing you get. Uh, when people feel comfortable in their job, uh, is that they start uh, airing their grievances and they start talking to mm -hmm. their coworkers about how they can redress those grievances. Sometimes that leads to them uh, form, forming into a union. Whereas uh, if there's more precarity, uh, if you get fired, then you're gonna get evicted uh, and you're totally screwed. Then the idea of coming together and, and trying to form a union, which is arduous uh, off and often gets, gets beaten back, uh, is less appealing to people. And I think a lot of bosses would like to get back to a place where that's less appealing. Yeah. And, you know, one of the reasons the right would be increasingly hostile to something like this after the pandemic, um, I think is illustrated really well by a story one of my colleagues, Joy Pullman, wrote, which is that um, these strings that are attached were used, for instance, in the case of school lunches to implement new bathroom policies. And basically the federal government held school lunch subsidies hostage to um, bathroom policy implementation. And so conservatives are now very wary, uh, myself included, like in the state of Texas, that any of these subsidies people accept um, are going to start coming with, for instance, an emergency vaccine requirement um, and something that people are uh, on a large scale uncomfortable with from the federal government. And so the pandemic definitely created those concerns. And again, of course, we've covered it many times here. Um, we're vaccinated, we hope our loved ones are vaccinated, um, but conservatives are very, very wary of that now. Yeah, I remember when the uh, federal government basically used highway funding to push the uh, drinking age from, from yes, 18 up to 21. Yes, because I'm from Wisconsin. They did it to us. <laughs> we were the victims. Were you, were you the last holdouts? We were the, the last you know, holdouts. The beer, the beer right. drinking Germans in Wisconsin were just, it's, yeah. I, it was, I had it was a friend, anti German. I had a friend once who got uh, got pulled over, and the officer asked him if he'd been drinking, and he said, "Just beer." <laughs> and, and he, but and he was serious, like he was, just beer. <laughs> just, that, he, it's basically yeah. water. Yeah, this is a guy that belongs uh, belongs in Wisconsin. But yes, I mean that that is a thing, and uh, it, you know, with our with our federal system, with these states pulling apart uh, from each other on these on these uh, cultural issues, it, it does show that like doing this. Doing this stuff on a, a federal level uh, is is going to be that much more difficult. This overlap of cultural and 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 uh, fiscal issues with maybe the uh, Obamacare Medicaid expansion being uh, being the first example of this in our new era, where 
John Roberts, you know, wanted, you know, everybody wanted him to overturn, all the Republicans wanted to overturn the ACA, and he didn't. And as his little compromise, he's like, okay, well, uh, Medicaid, uh, you cannot, you cannot force states to right. accept and expand a Medicaid. And so then, uh, for political reasons, all the states started saying, well, we don't want you to keep, keep your dirty Medicaid money. Uh, you know, we're, we're happy uh, being, you know, 49th and 50th in medical care down here. Uh, Which so, again yeah. will become another flashpoint uh, because it's a DeSantis uh, issue. Um, this this comes to DeSantis, and it will be another flashpoint in a primary in 2024, where you have cultural populism then mixing with economic populism, or people being forced to make those arguments or confront them. Yeah. But in the meantime, in the meantime, looking forward to seeing the final results from from this experiment. It's good that good that people are trying. I was I was skeptical of UBI. Uh, and and, re- and remained so to some degree because it, to, to me it, it, it seemed like it was coming out of some Silicon Valley tech utopianism where yes. uh, you had a bunch of tech bros who were like, don't worry, we're going to put everybody out of work, uh, but then we're going to give everybody uh, credits that they can spend with us. Uh, you know, and it, that just felt, felt, something about it felt dystopian. Um, so uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's an open and shut obvious, uh, obvious thing, but I also think that uh, that people do like deserve just a, a a basic sense of dignity and economic security, and if this gets them there, um, then 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 we should pursue that. So I, I'm I'm glad that Chicago's doing it. Hey, and uh, if if it was a Friedman proposal originally, what better place to experiment with exactly. it than Chicago? The Chicago School. <laughs> there you go. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 